Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodman, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. Well, today we have a very surprise guest. We're at DragonCon in Atlanta, and we have with us the CEO of the DragonCon, Pat Henry. Welcome, Pat. Hey, thank you, John. Welcome to you guys. Thanks for coming to Atlanta to visit. Thank you. So just for those of you who don't know, because this podcast I know is listening to uh, fans from about 100 different countries all over the world, DragonCon is the largest multimedia popular culture convention focusing on science fiction and fantasy, gaming, comics, literature, art, music, and film in the known universe. So from the start, it was um, fans that created DragonCon, and it's now that, that uh, culture that tries to be maintained, and that's what we're going to discuss on in today's podcast. So to begin with, how did you get started, first of all, just in books? Because I first met you back in the 80s when you were uh, owned, um, actually, a chain of, of comic stores. So how did you actually get started in this whole line of work? Uh, well, when I ha had the comic stores, I knew that I had to do comic shows because the sh stores did not make enough money. And frankly, I could get out and promote at the shows. Mm -hmm. And I was into books and comics and into science fiction. Uh, in uh, 1981, my life went through a change. And I started reading things like Dune and uh, at any rate. So yeah. I, I fell in love with science fiction. And uh, at some point, my wife decided it should become a vocation. And uh, we were at another show, and a guy hollers, everything in the box is 50 cents. And she went nuts, and I went nuts, and we bought $300 out of our <laughs> savings account worth of comic books. We're sitting in this huge pile of comic books, and I'm saying, wow, what are we going to do now? She said, oh, we're going to open a store. I said, no, baby, I love my job. She said, no, no, honey, we're opening a store. So She was the inspiration. That's amazing. Oh, no, she, it was not inspiration. It was... <laughs> <laughs> and it, she laid the hat. Yeah, that's down real to me. And it's great. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. And and it's crazy as it is. So we started the stores. Now the the convention that was my thing, because I knew we needed to grow. And uh, so we did conventions. And I uh, uh, was participating in uh, a game convention. I was participating in uh, science fiction. Anything I could do for the conventions, um, I, I wanted to do. Right. Uh, because I felt it was money in my pocket uh, down the road. And then uh, seven of us got together in about uh, 1986 at some point, uh, late 1986. Seven of us that wanted to build a convention that we'd want to attend. I mean, at the time there were Doctor Who conventions, but okay, Doctor Who Doctor conventions, Who. I mean, what can you do? Yeah. And then same thing, was there were Star Trek conventions, there were gaming conventions. But what we wanted is we wanted to put everything together where you could go to the vendor hall and buy you some comics, then you could go over and do some gaming, and then maybe you could get some books, and you could pretty much participate in whatever you wanted to. We did it 24 hours, and we threw in a little rock and roll. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite a trip at, uh, early on. We, uh, the first show, we only had 1,200 people, and that's frankly a, a, an overestimate. That's counting the hotel help and probably any homeless guy that wandered through. <laughs> but it sounded good. It was a good number for, a, you know, we thought it was a successful convention. And, uh, and so we went from there. Uh, we were at the Pyramid in Atlanta, which is no longer there. We were there for uh, 87, 88. And uh, we were first started in October, too. We started in October. We did that for 87, 88. And then 90, we were at the Omni. And so, so then... You've gone through various transitions since doing this. You went, 
your landscape has, has been all the different industries, all the different fan industries. So one of the things that, you, that DragonCon says is it's by fans for fans. Can you like explain explain that a bit? Sure. Um, by fans for fans, we actually listen, um, and we're fans. So um, it's uh, we do have a nice app, and uh, we can get uh, people's opinions. Uh, we watch what people like and what we like, and uh, so it's uh, it's literally by fans for fans. I uh, I was doing an interview with uh, Georgia State Radio a couple of years ago. I guess what 2018, 2019, something like that. Right. And uh, they were asking what I was going to do next year. I said I have no earthly idea. I mean, we're going to keep enough of it the same that if you like Dragon Con, you're going to be fine. But we're also going to have to bring in new stuff every year um, to see see what everybody likes. So you know, whether that was uh, back in the day, uh, we jumped heavily on the uh, the Firefly Serenity, mm -hmm. um, which I was at a, a meeting of our, my senior senior directors, and everybody was talking about the new DVD for Firefly that came out and how Fox had aired it out of order and ruined it. But, I mean, my gaming guy was talking about it. My uh, sci-fi guy was talking about it. My guest guy was talking about it. And I'm thinking, I got to get this. So I sent the secretary to buy me a copy and watched it. And I said, this is big. This could be good. So, I mean, it just develops like that. We went, yeah. uh, I saw that um, Nathan Fillion was going to be at a show. And so I sent somebody to go talk to him and bring him to Atlanta. And uh, so we had Nathan and uh, we had Fillion and, and Baldwin and uh, I, I forget. We had three of them come the first time and I remember showing them their suites and and whatnot and and they kept saying why are you doing this you know I mean a suite at the Marriott's pretty serious yeah and they kept saying and I said because we know who you guys are and, and they said well no why are you doing this I said because we know who you are and then when they went to their first panel in Centennial which is the largest ballroom in Atlanta they looked out through the curtain and they said what are all these people doing here <laughs> <laughs> they're here for you <laughs> So you just pay attention, and yeah. uh, and so that's how we got into Serenity. But we've you know we've done Stranger Things, uh, we do you know whatever the fans want us to do, and that's what it's about. And you know what was it? You told me that story before this interview a little bit about um, uh, Jefferson Airplane. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was yeah. We when we developed the convention in '87, uh, it was never the purpose was not to make money. The purpose was not to lose money. Um, which was good, and, and so financial projections, that was my deal. And uh, there was some serious stuff as far as getting those financial projections. And I was really good at it, I was really proud. Uh, on Sunday, we'd have enough money to have the next year, and that was kind of my job, the criteria, one of my jobs. And um, it, the projections ahead of the show looked like we were gonna have $10,000 too much. And so, uh, Jefferson How can you Airplane, have too much money? Because the purpose of the of the show is not to make money at that okay, point. Okay, good. Right. So that was part of your. That was it. Yeah. yeah. There was, we had a we had a secretary, and we had me, and I, I ran a comic book store, so and and we had my wife, and she didn't get paid, so um, at any rate, uh, so it looked like ten grand too much, and so I said, hey man, that's just what they want, kismet. <laughs> let's let's bring them in. So you brought um, in Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, and little did I know, little did I realize what that would do to the population, which exploded. So what was a $10,000 became $100,000. So, and at that point, you know, it, it was Katie bar the door, um, you know. So we did, we did, did do some things, um, you know, I mean, and I'm, that I'm really proud of. We uh, are tremendously uh, a giving people. And if you look at the uh, charities, the local charities of Atlanta, we've, in the past seven conventions, We've given over 1.2 million dollars to uh, charity, 
Um, so we, you know, we can find places for the money. Yeah. And, you know, so, um, and people get paid now. Something, you know, we've got a, a core group of, of staff that do yeah. get paid, which is, is nice. We, a lot of us could drop our day jobs and, <laughs> and, and, and dedicate, you know, I think, I think the last full-time employee I hired, her job was to improve the production value of Dragon Con programming. And that was pretty much her job description, and uh, and she's done. We're, we're we're working on it. It's a big show. There's a guy. I mean, you've got like, on the number of panels and number of events that you have going on here. Has anybody ever counted it? Oh yeah, I don't remember it, but it's over three thousand, maybe thirty five hundred hours. So not this year though. This year with COVID, we're having to close rooms to get cleaning. We're closing them twice a day. Well, twice, one at night and one cleaning during the day. Um, so it's almost a joke. I actually saw a costume closed for cleaning. Yeah, I um, see it on the, on the <laughs> schedule. It has closed for cleaning. It just, it just runs for like a half hour on, on all the different rooms, and then, it's, then they're back open again. Exactly. So, and so this year is kind of off for us, but it's been a challenge with the COVID. I mean, who knew that we would have these? And uh, originally we had a great idea to uh, get the vaccination. We were going to put a special badge together for the vaccinated. Um, and then when the city of Atlanta said you have to ma wear masks, it kind of took that out of my hands. So yeah. we figured, okay, well, we're going to do masks because that's what the law demands. And uh, a little later, uh, we said, you know, the masks aren't enough. And so we did do the uh, required vaccine or a negative test 72 hours before yeah. in order to come to the show. Which is, you know, there's, there's so many pros and cons on the whole thing on it, but the fact is... COVID's real, and, right. you know, when you're in this, even though you've capped it at 40,000 people here, which is, what, half? Yeah. You know, it's there's half, still a lot of people. I look right. out here, and there's just a lot of people there. Yeah, and all it takes is, you know, possibly one person to, you know, yeah. spread it. But um, we're, you know, we, we think the safety's important. I mean, yeah. at Dragon Con, if you, if you can't relax at Dragon Con, good luck. You can't relax anywhere. Because, yeah. I mean, these are first time I came to one of these shows, I, I was home. It was a, there was like a little hole that all of a sudden it closed and I saw there are a lot of people like me. I mean, they're into the science fiction, they're into the comic books. You know, I didn't have to, you know, hide my comics under the bed anymore. I mean, it was, I mean, they're really, they're just, you yeah. know, and, and, and that's what these conventions are for, to let people know you're not alone. Let's get into this and let's get into it big. Yes. So, at any rate, so go big. Yeah, we definitely got it big. Now, at what point, obviously with, with 1,200, you know, to where you are now, how has the growth gone? What, at what point did you take over downtown Atlanta? I would say uh, in 2000, we had maybe 5,000 people, which is very manageable. Uh, in 2001, uh, we got more yeah and then i think it was 2003 when we just exploded i mean guests were calling from anywhere wanted to come to the show they didn't care about getting a hotel room they didn't they just knew it was going to be a big year um and it was it, it overwhelmed us at dragon con and the board of directors told me that next the year after that no growth no growth and i said guys let me get 10 percent let me get 10 percent and they, uh, 10 or 12 and uh and the guy said okay pat okay we'll we'll do that the next year we nailed it right at 12 percent and i was terrified because <laughs> I, i'm a back i'm you know i'm a back in the class guy 
And all of a sudden I knew that I could control the dragon. And that was a scary, scary moment for yeah. me. Yeah. When, you, when you're riding a dragon and realize you're in charge, wow. So the year that you took over and you went from being the accountant to being the, the face of DragonCon, what year was that? That was 2000. That was 2000. Actually, I wasn't just the accountant. I mean, that was part of what worked when I did have to take over is the, um, I had been to the pre-cons, the post-cons, all the hotels knew me. I was the business guy. I okay. was the business guy on contracts. I was the business guy that handled things. And so when uh, I had to take over, I went in with the hotels and I said, I'm taking over the front end and my wife's going to take over the business end. They were delighted. They were absolutely Which is thrilled great. to death. Yeah, and, and, and at that point, you know, Sherry probably has more to do with getting us back to the family show that we had wanted to be, but she has been a terror. She's also been great on the charities. I mean, she took over the charities in 2001. They brought her the charity money in a sock. It was that poor. And, and so, no, she went to great lengths to expand our charities. And now, you know, I think last year uh, in 2019, we gave $120,000 to the Heart Association. Yeah, we do a match of a hundred up to a hundred thousand dollars. So they raised sixty, so we threw in another sixty, roughly. And uh, and we're hoping this year it's Big Brothers Big Sisters of, of Metro Atlanta, and we're hoping for somebody to get that hundred. We used to do we used to do fifty, and people started getting the fifty, and I said, sure, let's go, let's go a hundred. Yeah, I mean, let's let's get it. Which and, is uh, great. And, yeah, it's, it's and it's it's awesome. The, the the fans here are the most giving, you know. Um, not um not everyone has had the same opportunities in life right um there are some genuinely less fortunate than others and uh we uh we need to help take care of that yeah. so i'm delighted we've uh we've had a number of charities we've had diabetes we've had lupus uh we've had the heart association we've had uh leukemia we've had cancer those charities we you're right. had. yeah <laughs> That's like I have a Murata. And disease. you're still walking. <laughs> Diabetes. Yeah, no. Yeah, we have, at any rate. So that's what we have, you know, and it's uh, And you also have awesome. the, the, the blood drive is the single largest uh, blood drive of any convention. It's the second biggest blood drive in, the, in America, but it's the largest one for any convention, which is really impressive, too. Right, and, and shout out to LifeSouth. LifeSouth, we used to try to get the blood drive from the Red Cross, and they... Couldn't, wouldn't get the people for weekends, and uh, duh, we're on a weekend. Yeah. So they really had a lack of interest in Life South, and we talked to them. Um, they were willing to come in, and when they came in, holy cow, they came in, they were uh, dressing as vampires, and I mean, just really Fans. kicking it. Yeah, so Dragon Con-esque, mm -hmm. but um, it was awesome. It was terrific, and uh, they, are, they go out and promote and whatnot, and uh, I don't know, I guess they were here for three or four years and the Red Cross said, oh, we'll do that. And I said, oh, no, you won't. <laughs> We're very happy with these guys. And yeah. they really are. We, uh, we do that over in the Hyatt. And uh, we're just uh, glad to be a part. Yeah. But you're it's right, a, that's another. Yeah, and it's... Um, and I think you guys have helped contribute books over there, I think. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much every year now since, we've, since I learned about it, because it's the Robert A. Heinlein blood drive. So yes. uh, Robert A. Heinlein and Owen Hubbard were great friends um, during the, the golden age of science fiction. And... Uh, so when Mr. Hubbard wrote Battlefield Earth, he sent a copy to, to, to Bob Heinlein, who wrote a really nice letter back. So now we've made a thing where we donate copies of Battlefield Earth to anybody that donates blood with a copy of the letter that uh, Heinlein wrote to Hubbard. And so it's made a nice little uh, caper. And if it, if it results in more people donating blood, then that's all the better. Right, you know, and, and I'm sure it does. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, 
Yeah, we love books. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we love books. Yes. So, so now, um, I originally started, I originally met you, you were the, you had that chain of, of comic stores, and I think it was when we had, we were releasing, it was either, had just finished Battlefield Earth, or we were releasing, maybe we were just releasing Mission Earth, because that was in the mid-80s, and I was at Bridge Publications then, and um, I guess I met you first at, uh, I think we shared a, an iced tea or something like that in a bar, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet you. So, um, but it's been a great relationship we've had, you know, all along. But just with respect, because we used to share Ann McCaffrey. Yes. Yes, we did. So Ann was one of the first judges for the illustrate for the Writers of the Future contest, and so we'd fly her out from Ireland, and then we'd we'd uh, we'd pay for flying her out, and then you'd pay for sending her home to Ireland, because then she'd fly from. LA to Atlanta for the Dragon Con after the Rise of the Future Awards event. But um, she was like such a strong supporter of Mr. Hubbard and the contest, you know, what he did on creating that. Well, yeah, you, uh, yeah, and when you find out about what the contest is all about, I mean, how do you, how do you not support it? I mean, it's, it's an entry opportunity for science fiction writers, which creates a greater pool of, of talent, which, you know, the fact that it was uh, endowed forever, yeah. um, and, and, your brain, and now you're doing artists too. I mean, holy cow, the, ta the talent you guys bring into the field is, is incredible. Yeah, it's, I remember when you came, because you were the keynote speaker at a Writers of the Future event a few years back, and watching you, because you're with all of our judges there, because we have probably the single highest concentration of A-list science fiction authors and artists in any, any place. Absolutely. Um, and it was, you're like a, like kid in a candy store. <laughs> it was, yeah, I was, uh, and I, I mean, it was so fun. Like uh, uh, Dr. Purnell, we'd never had him, I mean, we hadn't had him in years at yeah. DragonCon, and I didn't have a contact for him. But I'm sitting down talking to Larry Niven, and Larry comes to the show all the time. Yeah. Anyway, we were cutting up and talking and whatnot, and Dr. Perel, Purnell came and sat down. And uh, as, as Larry and I are talking, he says, I haven't been to Dragon Con. And, and I continue to talk to Larry, and then a little later he says, um, I, would, I wouldn't mind coming to Dragon Con. <laughs> and I continue talking to Larry, I'm digging this now. I'm digging this. I think I've got him hooked. And, uh, and then a, a little later he said, well, I would need two airfares because I bring my son. And so I looked and I said, that is not a problem. <laughs> would, you would you like to come to Dragon Con? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, it was, I mean, it's just crazy like that. And running into Larry Elmore, who I've known for years and, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it was, it's it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, a but, lot of the people you've got here are people that are graduates of Writers of the Future. They're, yes. they're winners that uh, are now Eric, you see here. Is, Eric Flint is one. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, and the fact that you guys do that, holy cow. I mean, I, to see the extent of the judges and the expense and the amount of money that goes into it, and it's a top-notch event. The presentation, it's black tie for crying out loud, you know. It's awesome. Teleprompters for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got my teleprompter. I used it out there at uh, Writers of the Future, and I have one now yeah. of my own that I use at uh, opening ceremonies. And yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's that, excellent. That was just one thing that, like I said, Mr. Hubbard was so adamant about helping the aspiring writer and, and uh, artist. He had a big track record of that back in the 30s and 40s, 
when he'd be at the publishing houses and somebody else would come in and he'd give them tips and we have, we have different books that have letters correspondence between him and other aspiring writers at the time, you know, giving them, coaching them advice and, and what to do. So this was just like an extension of what he had been doing all along and he started in 83, he passed in 86 and just he put it in his, in his, in his will that it just it continues, you know, uh, to happen because it, that was the last genre he wrote in was science fiction and fantasy. Right. And that's we had Battlefield Earth and Mission Earth, and um, it's just it's it's gone you know really well. Obviously those titles are great, but it's just the fact that now thirty we're in year thirty eight of the of the contest. Wow. Uh, ready to release volume thirty seven, and you just take a look at how many people from the first 10, 20 volumes are now the best-selling authors of science fiction and fantasy and the top artists um, in the industry. You just kind of go, wow. And I run into people say, are you familiar with Rise of the Future? And like Rob Sawyer said, am I familiar? Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, some of these people you read now, they enter the contest. Brandon Sanderson, he was a finalist or he was an honorable mention and uh, Rob Sawyer was a, was a finalist and uh, Joe Black, he was an honorable mention, you know? Wow. Um, so it was just, all of a sudden you find out these people, you're like, wow, I entered the contest. Yeah, I was, I did, I did. It just, it's important that people have that sense of hope. Don't give up, don't quit. You know, if you get that honorable mention from the contest, because it's blind judging, it means that your work really was that good and right. you're in the top 10 percentile right. to be able to get that. I imagine it also helps them down the road to get published, to have that hanging on their shingle. Yeah, we, there was a, um, he didn't win Britain's Got Talent, but he was a finalist. He was uh, in the final three or a final two, uh, you know, when they're winning, to, who's going to win the, uh, the big check and go perform for the Queen? Um, Deliso Chapando, he was a comedian from uh, Malawi and uh, just a brilliantly hilarious person. But he entered the contest and he got an honorable mention. He kept the, the cert on his wall for years because that was the only thing that gave him the, the sense that I can write, I do have it, don't give up, don't quit. And so he finally made it through. Now he's, he's one of the most uh, popular comedians in, in Britain. But on his <laughs> resume, he says on there, you know, Rise of the Future. He's still on his resume now, Absolutely. even though he's a very famous Absolutely. comedian. It's just, you see that all the... Well, just, just, my speaking was not my strong suit, but after you guys got finished with me, I'm not scared of it anymore. Yeah. I, you know, I've got my teleprompter there, and, you know, I'm good to go. So it, it's amazing as, you know, you guys mold talent, as you guys help grow talent. Um, you know, you guys encourage people. Yeah. Um, it's a hell of a program. Yeah. Yes, it's a, that was, I mean, that was Mr. Ebers' intention, and we're, we try to, like, honor that. And so now it's, it's so great having, like, a show like Dragon Con because your recognition of, of what the contest has done, but also making it possible for others to be able to discover it, you know, it's... Right, and people come and meet the people that, yeah. that have done well in the contest. They can come and meet their favorite authors and whatnot. I mean, just like this trip, I met John Scalzi. I'd never met the guy before, but I, you know, I started actually reading his book here, The uh, Lock-In, and oh my God, I bought three books. <laughs> I'm a fan. He was DJing last night at the last party at Alderaan. I mean, this is crazy. But you get to meet these people up close here at Dragon Con, and and find out, wow, this is this is okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And Eric Flint does a whole lot here. You got, I, I can't tell you how many panels that guy does here. 
So, um, you know, but it's an uh, interesting world. It's an interesting it is, world. It is. Yeah, you get them started, and I'll take them from there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so now on, on uh, DragonCon, so on, your, on the DragonCon.org site, it goes through the whole history of, of DragonCon and, and what, you're, what you're doing now with it. So it was growing, and then at some point, like we started talking about, you, you took over downtown Atlanta. And so how many spaces, how many, I mean, it's just huge. Well, let's, okay, let's talk about, let's talk about the hotels with DragonCon. Okay, yeah. Uh, I did two truths and a lie yesterday for our DragonCon TV. And one of my uh, truths was DragonCon currently has five host hotels. Totally, over the 35 years, we've only had seven different hotels. And that's pretty remarkable. 35 years we've been that in set. Yeah. But I do believe you stay, you bloom where you're planted. You stay there. Yeah. Um, so right now we have five hotels that are kind of, and as we added hotels, in, in 2001 we had the Hyatt and we had the Marriott. Right. And if you go before that, it was always single hotels for the most part. But in uh, 2001, we had the Hyatt and the Marriott. In about 2005, we were starting to bust at the seams. We had been asked to leave the Hilton in 1996. And I went back to the Hilton and said, hey, we'd like to get some rooms and maybe just a little space. And they said, oh, okay, we can do a little space. And so I signed up for, I think, 100 rooms. Well, next, when they turned around, it was, we sold 500, and they needed to get me to okay that, which, of course, and so I asked, well, can I get a little more space? And eventually, yeah, it worked out. So we had kind of weaseled our way back into the Hilton. And, and the other funny thing is about the bridge. Um, we have a bridge now between the Hilton and Marriott. Yeah. Um, when we were there uh, in 1991 through 96, you know, they kept talking about the bridge they're going to have to the Marriott. Well, I went back in 2005, and they were still talking that crap. And I said, ah, don't. I don't want to hear it <laughs> until you build the bridge. And then when they did build the bridge, they invited Sherry and I to come down to the opening, which was kind of cool. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so but the, that, that really helped. The bridge connecting, and then once the Hyatt saw how effective that bridge was for the Hilton and the Marriott, they built one. And then we have what's called the DragonCon Freeway connecting all three of my hotels. So, which... And then now you have the Sheraton as well. Right, we have, and, and the Westin. And I think we picked up the Westin first because we went to the Mart about six, seven years ago. And the Sheraton, there was a little girl down there that kept calling, can we get 50 rooms? Okay. <laughs> and and, and uh, at, at some point, we just blew up her hotel. We bought everything. And, yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, it was great. She was a hero. And it's, it's interesting down there at the Sheridan. It's got a... Because uh, that's got registration. The New Orleans, yeah, that's registration. Um, and they've got the uh, New Orleans pool atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And each of the hotels every year does something different to maintain their individuality and to, and to you know, court our DragonCon fans. Like, uh, for instance, this year the Hilton is doing a, a Stranger Things. They've got their lobby set up like a mall. And, uh, I mean, come on, that's just yeah. crazy. But it's DragonCon. So. Yeah. Um, and then at the, uh, the Westin, they're doing uh, gems. So you, uh, it's an infinity stones. So if you do this, you get a stone. If you do this, you get a stone. And, 
and once you get them all, you know, they, they draw for prizes. Um, oh, so that's I mean, great. Yeah, yeah, every hotel does their thing, and it's uh, and th- we love it. You know, hot dogs. I'm sure that game too. having missed last year, it was just devastating because I my favorite restaurant is Miss Pity Pat's Porch, and they shuttered, and I was just so sorry to see that because that's where we always had all of our dinners, and it was right across the street from, you know, the where we were exhibiting. So that was really sad to see. It's happening everywhere. So it's imagine that. Have you done any calculations, like what, how much income does DragonCon bring to Atlanta? Yeah, several million. Um, I, I, Rachel will have to be able to tell you. I think about seven, eight million at least. Um, oh, wait a minute. No, no that doesn't make sense. It would be no, way more than that. That's probably yeah, just hotel 60, almost. 60, 70 million maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to get back to you with that number. But um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, speaking of missing, you know, last year we were on, virtual online. And it was fun in the fact that we were on six continents and, yeah. You know, 47 countries, and that's kind of fun. However, you know, the city of Atlanta did hurt. And we went to uh, our pre-cons this, this uh, last week. Um, and the hotels, one of them hadn't had a pre-con in 17 months. And they were hurting that bad for DragonCon to be back. Um, at, at the Sheridan, they were in tears. They were so excited we were back. Um, so, I mean, it's just what we mean to the city of Atlanta to the to the hotels, to the restaurants, to the cabbies, to the Ubers, to the homeless, because we take care of our homeless people. <laughs> uh, they, uh, it's uh, it's amazing, and, yeah. and we're, you know, the fact that we do are able to do good for so many people is just a real blessing. It we, is uh, indeed. It is definitely it. a blessing in that. So now, on DragonCon and you know fans, now you having been a bookstore first and you said you you had to do the conventions because that's where the fans were well it was a great way to promote my shops so you know i did books and comics and uh that's how i reached out to get new business um the you know comic book stores run on a shoestring budget yeah so at, at a show i could make money and at the same time promote and i the, one of the big things for me was I priced all of our books, not like most comic book stores, which was they would get as much as they could get. I would price mine like I was at a competitive show. So I wanted people to know that they could buy their back issues at the same prices in my shops as they could at a show. So which worked out pretty well for yeah. us. So, I mean, obviously it grew to seven at one point and um, it, it worked out okay. That was, That's great. That, Okay, now DragonCon is the first, I guess the first multimedia show in terms of all the different platforms that you, that you were able to provide for. I mean, it's not just TV and movies, but you've also got gaming, you've oh, yeah. got um, well, the books, comics. We're a science fiction convention by design. We have an opening ceremonies, uh, we have uh, a con suite, and pretty much we the original design for DragonCon was a uh, science fiction invention with different tracks. And the different tracks would allow us to have uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, um, comic books, gaming, and we could have various panels and we could make it a little more interesting than say a Doctor Who convention, a Star Trek convention, a gaming convention, because we had all these tracks. And it, I mean, you could go to a track room and stay all weekend and you could just get about as much Star Wars as you could breathe in. Yeah. Um, 
or you know you could select well i don't you know i'm going to go to a star wars panel but i also want to go over here and i want to see the doctor who panel they got this 10th doctor who's actually pretty cool and uh you know and then we have a, a bunch of literary tracks i haven't even talked about them we've got a science fiction track we got science fiction fantasy we have young adult we have i mean we have literature i mean but yeah. that's where we started yeah that's where we started so when you had ann mccaffrey or you had the pern track yes. it's just yes that went on for a whole it went on for a long time yeah and yeah so we have we have the different tracks so uh people can do what they want to do and um so then, in terms of people listening to this, this podcast are aspiring writers and aspiring artists. So, branching over now to art for a bit, your art show over there in, in the Hyatt is um, probably one of the top three in, in the United States of just as, as cons have had to like downsize or economize, one of the first things that would go would be the art track. So for them. I've heard, but no. We, um, we, let's just say we make our money at the gate. I mean, yeah. anything else is okay, but not, it's not a big thing. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Don DeSantos was asking us when we quit charging on something, I forget what it was, we quit charging. He says, how are you going to make money? And Mandy looked at him and said, we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so we're, we love the art show. Yeah. You know, my wife was down there buying with me yesterday. Um, and and it, it's, that's also a part of science fiction conventions mm -hmm. is, a, is a good art show. And, I, you know, I, I don't get involved in the top or the one, two, three or any. I, I stay away from that. We are who we are. Yeah. And, and uh, I, we found that, I found that to be successful, just to be who we are as long as we can be who we are. And that's, that's enough. The fans love it because essentially the fans are in charge. Yeah. So if they want to go in a direction, we'll go in a direction. I mean, I never would have come up with the zombie walk. I mean, but, you know, on, I think it was Friday nights, people dress up like zombies, and I think they start at the West, and then they wander through the uh, Hyatt. <laughs> I mean, and, and they're up again. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the I have movies. seen zombie walks, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's whack. But, you know, people have a ball, and we love seeing them. Yeah. Um, you know, the 501st comes in, uh, who's... Uh, the Star Wars group and, right. uh, and the Stormtroopers. Yeah, the right. Stormtroopers, and they'll march around. Um, as a matter of fact, in two that's a nonprofit. The five hundred one. That's why yeah. it's called five hundred one because it's a nonprofit. That's right. And charitable. They, yeah, they, type. And, they do all these they, things to help other people. And they uh, they help us, and we help them. They raise a lot of money for charity. But the um, they uh, in two thousand, the five hundred first. Sherry and I were beat up on in two thousand. It was it was very tough, and we were both looking at, thinking about quitting. And we were up on the second floor of the Hyatt and uh, partying going on around. But, you know, it was it was a very tough year for us personally. And uh, the the doors opened and here comes the 501st. The Hyatt had these brick floors and you could hear those feet. <laughs> and, and the crowd that was drinking and having a great time just separated. The 501st came through. They were walking Jeremy Bullock and David Prowse to a track. And they, w they came in just in, with their arms, just imperfect, just like, at any rate, and down the steps. And then the crowd went nuts. And Sherry and I looked at each other and said, we can't quit this. We cannot quit. This is too much for so many people. Yeah. And, and that's when it became, what do you call it, a mission? A, uh, you yeah. Know, it, yeah. Because so. it's amazing just 
how many people look forward to the Dragon Con and, and what it's done. But like I said, with the, with the art show, which you've got down there, like Dan Dos Santos is one of our judges for the Illustrator right. Contest. And um, he said it's going great. You know, the first day, the second day, today's uh, the third day now. And he said it's been great for him. Bruce Bernaysi is one of our winners, and he's just gradually growing and growing and growing. But he was one of those guys that really does well because of conventions. You know, he's there and people can see his wares. They can, like, buy his stuff. And he does, a lot of artists do well at, at conventions. And so a few people came out, but I think more next year people will hopefully, you know, are able to come out even more so, just getting over the, the COVID. Well, too, the, uh, the artists can do panels and things, or they can talk to the fans and they can make connections with them, which is, uh, it's all about connections. It's all about personal yeah. relationships. And uh, that just adds to their, not, uh, their cred, their uh, legacy. So yeah. we have, you know, we support the artists, the artists support us. Great opportunities here. Um, so, but the art show's here to stay. Yeah, um, we, and it's we we make ours at the gate. The yeah. rest of it is okay. Great, it's thank whatever, you. Yeah. To cover the cost. We're good. And, and even with the art show, I don't care if it covers the cost. So then, if an artist sells, because a lot of times at other conventions they have to pay a percentage of whatever they sold, you know, to the to the convention. It's just yeah, I know. Yeah. So what? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you where my money is. <laughs> you know. Yes. I mean, yeah. It's, that's the other thing about it. You know, we increase the price more to control population than we do anything else. And um, I'm not ashamed. I mean, yeah. we, we do what we do. And, you know, um, I, I think, frankly, for the value of a badge, I think nobody can touch it. I mean, right. it's, you know, you get a five-day show for, I think, at the doors, 140, I think. I don't know. I, yeah. I need the girls here to yeah. prompt me with some You're of that. You're just a pretty face for the show now. <laughs> no, I, there's, <laughs> well... It was so much for us for, th this is 35 years for me, um, and it was so difficult and so much, and, and Sherry, you know, she's been here to 35 too, and um, the girls were interested. Um, I mean, Rachel's been showing people the tables since she was so high, and, uh, and then she, as soon as she went to work for Delta, she started booking our flights for us, and then she was chairman's club at, at Delta. And uh, at, at Delta, she, they said, oh, yeah, you can work from home two days a week after you have your baby. She had the baby, and they said, oh, no, you can't work at home. And so she says, and she calls me up and says, Dad, I'm going to leave Delta. And I said, well, are you leaving Delta, or are you leaving Delta to come work for me? And she said, oh, I'm leaving Delta. I said, good, send me a resume. And she did. And, and, and of course, I hired her um, because she knew more. This is not an easy job. You have to know a lot. Yeah. You know, you have to know a lot of people. You have to know a, a lot of how we do things because we don't do things like normal business. It isn't all about money. And uh, so at any rate, she was adequately, more than adequately, uh, and, and it gave me an opportunity, me and Sherry, to step away a little bit. Um, and then and Mandy had already come on board. She has lupus. And uh, sorry, Mandy, if I outed you there. But um, at Delta, they wouldn't let her cut back on her hours, and the doctor said she needed to cut back on hours. So she started working in our business office in accounting, and now she was the uh, CFO. She's the controller for our company, um, and it's, that's kind of funny too. People thought when I was the controller, I was hard with the money, and then my wife took over, <laughs> and they said, "Man, you are a patsy." <laughs> uh, and now 
just like mom, <laughs> just like mom. <laughs> so she, ta- you know, we take care of the dollars and cents. Yeah. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. So with people now coming here, and this is, I think, for the writer and the artist, it's getting more and more. When I do these these interviews with other with other professionals, they talk about the need for you know the traditional publishing is now not so much the current way of of publishing taking place. You need to have your own connections. You need to have your own fan base. You need to come into the, your ante into the publishing pot or the illustration pot is, what's your fan base? How, what can you do to, to make those connections? And I think that's something that's really important with conventions. And the convention at Dragon Con is different than other conventions like that. You're not, like we're here in, in America's Mart, so I guess it's like a convention hall, but it's so not like any other convention hall. Like if you go to the other, you know, Salt Lake City Fan X, the San Diego Comic Con, all these other big shows, they're in a huge convention hall, one big hall that you're in there and you have your booth set up. And here you've got all these spaces. You can sit down and you can chat. And so is that part of the mindset on this? Uh, actually, the part of the mindset is to keep in hotels. If you look in most convention centers, you don't see a lot of places to sit. Here they are because we asked for them. Um, <clears throat> however, the hotels, um, we're mostly adults, and some of us drink, and, and I joke that we don't like to be more than 50 yards from our next cocktail. <laughs> so, the hotels love that because we sell alcohol for them, and the hotels can, like I was saying earlier, can have their own type like the uh, the Avengers at the Westin and the uh, Stranger Things at the Hilton and they can have their own and people feel love and 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 whereas at a convention center it's a lot harder to do yeah. that the convention centers are cold they're big the ceilings are high but at a hotel in a hotel you've got the carpet you've got the hospitality they're ready to get you a coffee they're ready to you know take care of you so the the the, the thought is for me is we have to stay in the hotels. Yeah. I mean, the hotels love us, um, and, and I love them back. Uh, but just, they're just crazy. Um, I even have a person that goes and samples their special cocktails. I mean, you know, and they name them after science fiction drinks and science fiction shows and whatnot. But, you know, we have a girl that will go and, and taste them for them and say, this is going to be great, and, and help them with the names and stuff. And, uh, wow, there's a job. <laughs> well, it is. But, but I mean, it, we want them to embrace us. Sure. And they get a kick out of it. Because really if they do. own it, if it's their Dragon Con too, then they're going to contribute to that motion. It makes it even a better experience for the fans. Right. Which, and there you go. That is exactly what this is about. I want to give the fan the greatest experience for five days. So they just can't live without us. They just have to come. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, like, for instance, when we, uh, when we decided we, we couldn't have a show in 2000, I had to wait till the last minute, uh, two months before the show, and then the governor said you couldn't have a gathering bigger than this through August 31st. Well, I was bigger than that, so I know that meant I was done. So at that point, I told Rachel and Mandy and everybody, okay, we got to go virtual. Okay, and there was some concern about two months to set up the virtual we did last year, but it worked out really good. I'm really yeah. proud of it. I'm really proud of the girls. Um, but with, uh, we had to hold on that long for the hotels. The hotels had hoped that we could run a Dragon Con. And sure. until the governor said no, 
then that was it. Um, but we, we had met, we had talked about scaling down Dragon Con then, um, but once the governor said so. Yeah. But it, but it worked out. At any rate, 94, uh, we, we offered refunds to our people that had bought. 94% no. Roll it over. Wow. That's, yeah. a, that's a heck of a number. Um, and then we've sold an incredible amount of Eternals during the two years since the 2019 show. That's just ridiculous. That's a $3,500 membership. Wow. I mean, yes. <laughs> and they believe in us. And we believe in them. Yeah. So, so now we're here at America's Mart Building 2. So you're pretty much on three floors? Four floors. So four floors. And so is there any plans to be able to jump up to a fifth floor at some point? Or you're like, you're All capped they got. at four? All they got. Um, there's, uh, we've always found a way. I mean, when we needed to expand, we found a way. I know. All right, now I'm going to get in trouble. The Apparel Mart, Building Three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been here so long. We were we were here from 1997 through 2000, um, and they were called the uh, Merchandise Mart, the Apparel Mart, and Gift Mart. So sometimes I and I now now it's Building One, Building Two, Building Three. Yeah. So um, translation is yeah. tough. So Building Three st still has. A lot of space, but that building was built a long time ago, and there are not enough bathrooms for my. Oh. But if I have to, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, there. Because yeah, I remember when you moved in here, we were given a tour. This okay, we're going to come over here from. What well, was? It? Well, it used to be at the Marriott. Yeah, because I remember in the ground floor of the Marriott, we had a. And, uh, yeah, and, and I was talking to a woman today. I mean, not today. Uh, I guess when I was doing the elevators on Wednesday, actually in the hall. You're King running elevators. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> At any rate, and uh, one woman, some guy was complaining about how this is like uh, the Hunger Games to get in. And, uh, and she said, oh, honey, you should have seen us when we were at the Marriott. Oh. <laughs> there were gypsies coming in fire exits. It was, I mean, it was, it was awesome. At any rate, so, yeah, we moved from the Marriott, uh, I guess, and then we moved first across the street to Building 1 because I knew I couldn't take the vendors geographically any further than that yeah. and have the vendors feel like it was okay. So we did that for two years, which was horrible, but it, it was better than over in the Marriott. Um, and we did that for two years and then we moved down here to building two. But if we tried to move here all the way from the Marriott with nothing in between, who knows? No transition, yeah. yeah. This is definitely the best of the places that you've had. I mean, it just, no way you could have handled Marriott because it just totally Right. It, you just burst at the seams totally there. Right. And we have other uses for the Marriott now, so. Yeah. But yeah, and, and uh, we're just, yeah, just grateful that it works. It's. Uh, now you've also got the uh, parade. So that started and then it's transitioned and. Let's talk about the parade. Yeah, the parade's got a great story on its own. Uh, I was walking with our guy from Freeman, my rep, and the Salvation Army was coming down the street with a parade. And uh, I love the Salvation Army. I, I, I had a buddy of mine that was getting sober. He got out of detox and he got a bed for a dollar. And he was excited because he drunk up everything else. And so, I mean, I love the Salvation Army. They do take care of people. And we've had them as our charity before as well. But they were doing a parade and it wasn't much of a parade. But he and I started laughing, not at how motley the parade was. We were thinking, we could do that. Dragon Con could do that. And the, just both of us just went off, 
off the wall with what we, you know, zombies and. You know. I remember that at least on the, on CNN was it CNN that had the the five hundred first that that was the big thing I remember seeing on TV that they featured the stormtroopers marching down the street in unison there at the they parade. They feature all kind of stuff from that parade. But this but, was like years and yeah, years and yeah. years ago when yes, it first started. Uh, and we also had the people that do the. Uh, uh, the lips down on Dixie people that do the uh, Rocky Horror every year, and they were in heels and, you know. <laughs> and the first year I had to talk people into it. It was really kind of a sad parade. Um, we had our uh, guest of honor, Nichelle Nichols, our grand marshal. Uh, the uh, convertible didn't get there, so we had her in a van with the doors open. I mean, it was, uh, it was difficult. But at any rate, so uh, I felt like we were parading people, but not a physically fit people. So we had to keep the parade kind of short. And, uh, and so we, one, two, three blocks, I think the first parade was. We came from four blocks. We came from uh, uh, Centennial Olympic Park, up to Peachtree, down one, and then into the, into the Marriott. That was the first year we had moved the vendor hall into the Marriott. And by ending the parade in the Marriott, we felt like, okay, we can get everybody down to see the vendors. So that was part of the plan with the first parade. And, uh, and then we, as things went great, thankfully we went across Peachtree because the second year we realized that in order to go down Peachtree, you needed the city council's approval. Well, I've always tried to keep my head down when it comes to approvals because I kind of look funny. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not your classic business guy. And I mean, I can do it, and I put on the suit and whatnot. But I mean, my group and, right. and we, these people ain't wearing suits um, or sports coats or right. Yeah, you know, We're sometimes fans. shirts with sleeves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at any rate, well, but the rule was if you, you know, if you had wanted to go on Peachtree, you had to have the city council's approval unless you had already been on Peachtree. So we technically had crossed Peachtree, so we had been on Peachtree, so then we started so you grandfathered around. in there. Yeah, you know, we snuck in there. <laughs> and at any rate, so, and, and the, city's, the city's been difficult sometimes. Uh, we got to uh, the point a few years ago, um, I mean, sometimes we were getting the parade permit the day of the parade. I mean, it was, it was horrible. Um, there was somebody down there who probably just didn't like us, but, you know. So we deal with it, and uh, we had... Uh, I said, I'm done. We're having the last Dragon Con parade. That's what we're calling it. It's the last Dragon Con parade. And the kids said, Dad, you can't do that. I said, yeah, I can. It's my parade. I can do it. And I'm, I'm just tired of the city uh, giving us a hard time. Well, the city got wind of it. We had our permit a month ahead. But it's still the last Dragon Con parade. So we got our permits, everything. And, and everybody said, Pat, you and Sherry have to ride in it. This is You have to ride in it. I'd always set it off and gotten to the end and broke it down. And they said, you have to ride it. So I said, great. Sherry, you driving. The grandkids, we all dressed like nerds. I had the Band-Aid around here and a uh, unicorn hat and the suspenders. And, yeah. Yeah, the, I had a, a slide rule, which none of my grandkids or kids knew what that was. A slide rule? <laughs> anyway, so uh, we were in the parade, and I started seeing things that I'd never seen before. Um, the, the people in Atlanta were actually the adults moving back and letting kids come and sit on the curb. It's huge. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, I love me some kids. And, yeah. and at any rate, <laughs> and seeing that just flipped me out. And frankly, seeing all the people. 
that was, I mean, there were people in the parking lots, there were people in the it's buildings. huge. Right, I always had kind of cut around all that so I could, you know. Yeah. And, um, and it was, you know, kind of the case, Sherry and I look at each other and we can't, we can't quit this. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, we already knew we weren't. Um, we, we knew before we ever rode in the parade that it wasn't going to, you know, we weren't going to not do it. So the next year we had the last Dragon Con Parade Volume 2. <laughs> so nothing to it. So there you go. So you've been doing it now. The parade. How many? How old is the parade now? Uh, twenty. Well, you you have to count the virtual. And it's twenty two. Twenty one. So we started in two thousand one. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's a trip. So you guys have been in the parade. I've been too. a couple yeah. times. Yeah, when we had released the Battlefield Earth, and we were the guy, the big monster turtle was walking there with yeah. Johnny Goodboy Tyler and Chrissy, and we hired some actors that, that did it. And bagpipes, you know, so that was, that was fun, but just walking there, just, it's just, I mean, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people just all along. How long is the parade now? It's not the three or four blocks anymore. No, it, uh, we started North Avenue, maybe a mile, maybe a mile, yeah. I don't know. We started North Avenue and Peachtree, and then we come down past uh, Hard Rock, I think, and then go down and cross over. Yeah. But, um, yeah, whatever. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not going to get any longer, because we are not a physically fit people. We are a parading people but not a physically fit people. I mean, I do the Hollywood Christmas Parade, and uh, that's almost uh, three miles, and that's, that's a long parade. <laughs> it's a long parade. You know, it holds a lot of people. We'll get a million people there on the, on the parade route there in wow. Hollywood, but it's just, that's a long walk, a <laughs> <Yeah>. long schlep. <laughs> Whichever, and, yeah. Whatever you're doing there in the parade. Right. And, and, you know, and I, looked, I was watching the parade some this year. We have the lakeside Viking marching band. I mean, and these people, it's awesome. Uh, you know, we have another band called the, uh, the Marching Abominables, and, and that, that's killer. We have the periodic table of elements where the, uh, the copper is, is a guy dressed like an old New York cop with the hat copper get it yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it's just insane these guys creativity, creativity is just runs wild here so so now for someone who who wants to be able to participate in dragon con like they're from where they're 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 an, a rider how do they like you've got a booth here and we've always opened it up in um in our booth here for our winners to come in and sign books or that type of thing, but if someone's a, a writer and they want to be able to participate in the writing tracks or in panels or what level do they have to be before they can actually well, participate? Sometimes, well, well, usually my board of directors stays out of the way and they've let me do whatever I please, yeah. result-oriented. <clears throat> At some point in time, they felt like I had enough guests. Um, so I think they said 400. That's it, Pat. So I had to get creative. <laughs> <I said. laughs> so we started a new category of guests called a professional. So if you were a professional writer and you had a couple of books and you had some, a little bit, of, I think they won, yeah. that'd be great. Um, so we'd give, give them a badge. We'd give them a badge as a professional, bring them into the show, and they could do panels. So that is uh, awesome. So give me a problem, I'll give you a solution. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me know the rules and I'll beat you to death with them. <laughs> so it's just, and that, but anyway, but it's really become, 
it, it, when I was still the chairman and, and doing the meetings, you know, every year I'd announce, and we're going to have 400 guests, and everybody would just laugh, and, you know, I mean, it's like the guy, ahead, like the population, okay, the guy ahead of me lied about how many people we had. I mean, bad lied. It took me three years to get to the number that he claimed we had in 2000. So, and so every year I was, the number he had out in 2000, I think it was 20,000. I said, yep, we had 20,000 people. The next year, yep, we had 20,000 people. Third year, yep, we had 20,000 people. But that third year, oh yeah, we had every bit of 20,000 people. <laughs> and then some. So at any rate, it almost became a running joke as far as the population. But I mean, come on. You come to the show, you have, what, does the numbers really matter? I mean, as long as we stay solvent and, and we can have some fun, What's mm -hmm. up with the numbers? You know, I mean, to the fire marshal, I understand that's a big deal, but, you know, we bring in lots of fire marshals. Scares me to death when I see three of them together drinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but whatever. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Um, and I think it's important people understand the importance of conventions, also the significance of Dragon Con, and that really is a, a venue for winners of Riders of the Future that they can actually find out about this, this pro rate uh, professional level that they can yeah, um, give, give them a free badge. They come in and do panels, get better known, get to meet other authors. Yeah, you know, which is you know, I mean, come on. And same thing goes for artists too, professional yeah. level, and you know, which and, is perfect. Right. And of course, the other thing too, if they ever get rejected and and you know them, yeah, they know a guy. <laughs> so, Definitely know a guy. A guy yeah. that knows a guy. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so you know, we can help with that. So I have. They have not figured out it at this point. To limit me on professionals, they haven't. So I'm woohoo. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So thank you very much, Pat. This is this has been great. Well, thank you, John. It's been fun. Great, and thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Writers of the Future podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. We've also been globally syndicated on United Public Radio Network. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Pat. Thank you, John. It's always a kick. <laughs>